Welcome to the PDX Pet Collective Podcast. Today's episode features Nicole Perkins and Brianna Schrode of the Portland Animal Welfare Team, also known as PAW Team. Nicole is a client and volunteer coordinator, and Brianna is the medical programs manager. Stay tuned to learn more about the amazing work that they do. Welcome to the PDX Pet Collective Podcast. If you are a Portland pet parent or the owner of a Portland pet business, then you have come to the right place. And now your host, dog photographer, donut connoisseur, whiskey lover, and Sherlock fan, Kim Hoschel. Well, I'm glad to have you both here. Yeah, so my title is the Volunteer and Client Coordinator, and then Brianna is our Medical medical Programs, programs manager. manager. Yeah. Awesome. So, thought having both perspectives would help the conversation. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited because I, I got to experience kind of, you know, on the side what you all do because of our foster dog, but... It wasn't actually our dog. We just picked her up from your care to, <laughs> yeah. to, nurse, to nurse her for a little bit. Yeah, that was before. I think I found the, the records of it. It was before my time here. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that was, that's a fun connection. Yeah. And I also, uh, I just interviewed uh, Rachel Bauman of Wild River Yeah, a couple weeks ago. and Oh, she's great. And she was, you know. Because I always ask, you know, what, what what rescues do you work with? And, you know, do you have anybody that you would like to see on the show? And she's like, oh, I just love them. I was like, me too. So <laughs> let's make it happen. Um, could you, would you mind doing like a quick summary of the show for Brianna? I explained it to my coworkers, but I'm worried that I didn't do it. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, basically the show is about um, businesses and nonprofits in the Portland area to educate people more about what resources are available and um, just to learn more about them because I think, you know, there's so much here that people that kind of flies under the radar because maybe it doesn't have a brick and mortar or it doesn't have a lot of advertising, but it's super important to the area. And so I'm just trying to bring light to um, more of the services that are available to people in the area. That's great. Yeah. So I'm super excited about it, you know, because I, like I said, I had never heard of your organization until I found somebody who needed it. So mm-hmm. once, once I found out about it, I was like, why don't I know about this? <laughs> Come on. So what was that? I heard briefly Nicole mention the scenario, but. Yeah. So um, I am a member of the Corgi meetup group that like created the beach meetup and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, on the Facebook page, a woman was reaching out and she said, I'm homeless. I'm a, you know, my dog's paws are getting worn down from being on the streets and does anybody have shoes? And my dog hates his shoes and I've tried every shoe possible. So I had like all kinds of shoes everywhere. So mm-hmm. I said, I'll, I'll give you a couple different kinds and see, you know, you can try them. If they don't work for you, pass them on, whatever you want. So we brought her like a little care package of treats and shoes and water and all that kind of stuff. And, um, 
we started a little correspondence during that. And she, um, Molly ended up needing bladder surgery. And uh, she said, so I need like a crate and a cart and, you know, cause she needed to keep her off the ground during the surgery, you know, after surgery to keep her clean. And so we, we brought her a cart and a crate and everything and hooked her up with all of that. And then she just decided it was too difficult for her to do that. So we fostered Molly for almost two months mm-hmm. and then um, she took her back and then we had her for a little bit longer and then she took her back one more time. And um, unfortunately, Molly, when we had her, they were pretty sure when we had her checked out, we were, they were pretty sure that she was starting to show signs of degenerative myelopathy. But yeah, it was wonderful to get to spend, you know, even a couple of months with her because she was such a special dog and, you know, her dog and, and our dog got along really great. And so, yeah, it was, I mean, it, I was glad to help that, yeah. you know, that we were able to offer that, but yeah. <clears throat> So that's kind of How our story. That? It's been a little over three years. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it'll be like four years in October. Because I, I vaguely remember something. I, I feel like I remember that story. I've been volunteering with Paw Team since 2007. So kind of up and down throughout, you know, my, my time in general practice, depending on what was going on in my, my real life. Um, you know, whatever time I had to give to Pachi, I, I did sometimes more than others, but I still kept in touch with, um, you know, people in the organization. And I feel like that sounds really familiar. So I'm just, that's great. You know? Yeah. Cause I sent a photo over to Nicole mm-hmm. in case anybody remembered, you know, seeing Molly. Cause yeah. I, you know, you never know. It's like, I, cause I know that, you know, it, so much is volunteer work. So not everybody's going to be there all the time yeah. for every dog that comes through the door, but yeah. So, um, I was just going to kind of let you guys take this mostly because I have some questions, but, um, I know that there were some stories that you wanted to share as well to better explain what you all do. So if you don't mind kind of giving an explanation to everybody, what it is that you do for the pets and the people of Portland. Yeah. Um, so Paw Team, we provide free veterinary care for folks who are experiencing houselessness or who are living in extreme poverty. Um, so we're like a regular day practice vet, um, but we rely on all volunteer veterinarians. Um, we don't charge for uh, any of our basic exams or anything like that. Um, we provide care through, uh, both appointments in our clinic, um, like weekday appointments. We also do drop-in clinics. Uh, we've been around for 20 years now. Uh, we just had our like 20th year celebration. Um, so we've, we've existed in a lot of different ways over the past couple of decades. I think Brianna speaks better to, to early pot team. Um, but it started off with just all volunteer veterinarians who saw a need in the community, saw people that were living on the streets with their animals and wanted to get in and help. Um, and then over the years we've grown, um, we now have a, you know, semi-permanent facility, a, um, a place that we lease, um, with our own clinic that vets can come volunteer at. Um, and, you know, I don't think we have stats at all from those early days of Paw Team, but mm-hmm. last year we provided care for about 1,700 pets in the community. Oh, wow. Um, so we're, you know, we have, we're a little, a little organization with a pretty big impact, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, in the early days of Paw Team, uh, it started with just a handful of veterinarians that knew there was a need and would kind of get together and, you know, hit the streets and pocket full of vaccines, you know, do some some really kind of very basic uh, care, what they could on the spot. Uh, then it transitioned into um, a location which, you know, usually was, it existed for a couple of months maybe, uh, the access to the location, but uh, they would put on these drop-in clinics, so they would advertise in the community, and um, hundreds of people, I mean, would show up, rain or shine, um, to get care for their pet, vaccines or, um, you know, dealing with skin infections, ear infections, uh, torn nails, things like that. Um, And then after that, uh, they started uh, realizing that they were seeing some of the same pets, um, you know, either every several months or maybe, oh, this dog was here last year for vaccines. So they started keeping um, some really rudimentary paper records to make sure that, you know, there was no overlap and just kind of trying to track the community. And then from there, um, with this space, um, they we started being able to just offer like any, you know, appointment at your local vet, just, um, you know, come in and you have an appointment time to get seen. And while PAW team has always offered some level of donation medication, um, be it flea control or, I mean, I remember 12 years ago having like a box and like, oh, here's some thyroid medication, like your pet needs, you know, like (laughs) you happen to have it, here you go. Um, And it was just kind of feast or famine. Um, If we had it, you're welcome to it, but we couldn't guarantee anything. Whereas now we have a fully functioning pharmacy um, that we maintain hundreds of animals on um, regular medications. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And that pharmacy is like 95% by donation as well from either vet clinics or drug distributors or just individuals who will will come in. Um, they have an excess of donations. Either their pet has switched medication or their pet um, has passed away and they donate things to us. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So yeah. we are able to successfully, uh, you know, treat and monitor pets with heart disease, with thyroid conditions, with um, really extreme allergy issues, with, you know, pretty much anything that um, anybody's pet would be treated for at their, at their vet. Um, we can maintain their long-term care with that. That's incredible that you can do that. I mean, just mainly on donations and volunteers. It's yeah, that is yeah. so amazing. Yeah, we're a small staff, so we have a five-person organization working here, um, and really, our job as staff is to you know build the structure that people then can come and volunteer at and provide the direct help. Um, we have two uh, our medical team. Uh, two people (laughs) on our medical team with a medical background, but we don't have any veterinarians on staff. So all of the actual direct care comes from volunteers. And then of course, just a community of vet assistants um, and non-medical volunteers helping, helping make all that care happen. Which I I will add the very important part is that several of our board members are Mm -hmm. veterinarians. So they provide um, a lot of that backup. Um, support. Um, We have a medical committee that meets regularly for um, kind of oversight with how things are managed here, but they also provide the kind of like, if we're, if we're short on volunteers or we haven't heard back from somebody, um, you know, we'll reach out to, to the board that's 
um, for their assistance. Oh, wow. How did you both um, get involved with the organization? Do you want to start since you've been around longer? (laughs) So um, I moved to Portland in 2006 and um, started working at a clinic downtown. Um, And one of the technicians that I worked with um, said that she was going to go volunteer with this thing that she heard about. um, And did I want to join her? And I was like, sure. I like, you know, I like giving back. I like animals. It's what I do. And so um, we met in a church basement on a Sunday, just kind of like, Hey, we're here to help. And it was one of the drop-in style clinics, um, just madness, madness. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was, I think five hours that just flew by of people just like coming to these little tables, um, and vaccines and microchips and nail trims and just all kinds of stuff for all the people that showed up and did that regularly, usually about, um, at that time it was quarterly. Um, and then it went to, um, sometimes they would do monthly clinics. And then, like I said, I kind of dropped off for a while and then came back and then dropped off again and then came back. And most recently, um, I was a practice manager, um, at a local hospital in Portland and, um, I've been doing this for a very long time and kind of reached a, you know, a a personal point where I was like, I need to take a break. I was very good friends with the medical director of PAW team. um, And she was, unbeknownst to me, getting ready to transition out of her position and kind of just... (laughs) (laughs) Sucked you in, huh? (laughs) I ended up volunteering like all the time. And then when she was gone, I somehow ended up in an interim position to fill in. And then this one, uh, Nicole, (laughs) I don't know, somehow got me to to agree to stay on permanently. (laughs) Slowly, subtly, it's like turning the water on to a slow boil, you know, once you realize it's happening. Yeah, Yeah. and that was a little over a year for me, so. Yeah, Um, and let's see, I've been with PAW team um, almost two years now, Um, and I came into it with an interest in volunteering. I um, was in a job that just, I had some time available and was looking into some volunteer opportunities and stumbled across Paw Team and just thought it was an amazing organization. Um, I was, I've always been an animal lover and I also um, have done a lot of volunteer work engaging with people and social justice and just thought that this organization was an incredible overlap of the two where we're really benefiting both animals in the community as well as their people. This organization means so much to the clients that come to us as well as the animals that get medical care here. Um, So I thought it was amazing. And then shortly thereafter, before actually volunteering, I got a different job. So the timing never worked out and I never actually volunteered, but just like I was on the newsletter and I kept an eye on the organization and thought it was so cool. Um, And then a job opportunity popped up <laughs> and I just applied for it kind of on a whim and it worked out and I, it's felt like um, just a huge blessing to be able to actually join the team and um, be a part of, of what we do here. Oh, that's very cool. Cause y'all bring such different things to the table mm-hmm. to round out the organization. So um, how does someone actually qualify for services? Yeah. Um, that's a little bit, hard to answer right during this moment (laughs) of 
um, the world we're living in. Yeah. <clears throat> so traditionally, uh, someone would come into Potin for an in-person interview. Um, and we do that just like on a drop-in basis. People can just come to us during our open hours. Um, and that's because it's sort of the lowest common denominator. Like people can come here and seek out care. Um, don't have to fill out paperwork. Don't have to use the internet. Uh, can just, can just show up and ask questions. Um, and we have a qualification process. We, um, have a series of questions that we ask to assess someone's financial eligibility and also what their pet is needing just to make sure that we're a good resource for them and can actually provide the care that they need. Um, and then we go from there and a qualification will last for, you know, a certain period of time. And we're able to offer a certain amount of services kind of based on their eligibility. Um, right now it's been a little tricky with our current climate. Um, we can't have anyone come to do an in-person interview at the moment. So we have people calling um, and we're kind of going case by case really and talking to folks on the phone to, again, sort of assess their financial eligibility, but also what their pet is needing. Um, we have, we're still operating during COVID. So we still have volunteer vets coming in. Um, we're still filling medications. We're still providing um care for our current clients, um, but we do have less volunteers in than normal. So we're having to take new qualifications a little bit slow, slower than normal, unfortunately. Um, but our qualification process is, is based on the federal poverty line. It's kind of a metric that we use as a starting point. Um, and then we factor in both uh, resources and, and sometimes extenuating circumstances into that conversation. Um, we do also have some partners in the community that will act as referring agencies. Um, and the agencies that we work with has shifted over the years and, and will continue to shift, but just sort of offering um, a way for other organizations who serve a similar population, whether they be shelters or um, transitional housing uh, organizations to make sure that we're providing essential care for, for the people that need it the most. Um, sometimes a person might need vaccines to keep their pet with them in a shelter. Um, actually recently we had someone who was staying in a family shelter uh, with his children, but their animal was not up to date on her vaccine. So she wasn't allowed to go inside with them. So she was staying, the dog was staying in the car while the family was staying inside. Oh. So we were able to then provide them with, um, with the vaccine package as well as some flea control. So now she's able to stay with their family. So that could be an example of, of where we'll step in to help and where our partnerships can really come in handy there. Yeah. So how do you, how are you getting the word out to the community that needs your services? Like, is it just kind of word of mouth or? It's yeah. mostly word of mouth. Um, the nature of uh, the, the majority of our client base is such that they are their own community together. So many of our clients um, are, you know, if they're staying in a shelter um, or a temporary housing situation, there are other people in that shelter or that they've come across either in, um, you know, um, in like a tent community or something like that, that also have animals. Um, and so they, they spread the word, you know, they let them know. A lot of people, you know, I think for a variety of reasons are hesitant um, and kind of skeptical um, of any organization in general, just, you know, based on whatever history they have, right. with, um, you know, authority, <laughs> um, you know, or organizations that claim to help that really mm -hmm. don't. Um, and so, you know, some somebody will come and, will get help here and 
their friends or their community members will say, oh, I heard of that pod team, but it's too good to be true or they can't really help. And then, you know, somebody will, will finally come and find out that in many cases we can actually help. And not only can we, we really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's, it is just that base of like updating vaccines so that your pet can, can stay with you in um, housing or a shelter or, you know, some of our clients are not interested in moving to a shelter. Mm-hmm. They're comfortable where they're at, but their pet is aging and they're trying to keep their pet as comfortable as possible along that journey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have several clients who, um, you know, live in um, a mobile situation, live in a van, live in an RV, um, and don't really have any interest in kind of moving to a shelter or moving anywhere other than where they're at because they're comfortable, but they also want to keep their pet comfortable. And, um, you know, those are the scenarios that we are really, really trying to keep at our, at our core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I know it's so difficult for people to make the decision to go to a shelter. Cause I know my friend, you know, got robbed and all kinds of things happened and, So I can understand maybe why someone wouldn't want to go to a shelter or maybe even seek out services. So, yeah, I think something that we pride ourselves on PAW team is really meeting our clients where they're at. Um, And, you know, we do have to have policies and rules and systems in place to to keep us going as smoothly as possible. But Mm -hmm. we really try to do our best to accommodate everyone's particular story who comes into our our building um, and provide just a safe non-judgmental place for them to to be and to get care for you know the creature that they love more than anything else well yeah i mean because it's like an animal is the best comfort that you can have and you know to keep them healthy and with you is is the best thing you can do they really are a lifeline to so many of our clients who i mean countless stories people tell us that they would not be here if it wasn't for their pet yeah so Yeah, I mean, for our for our population that we work with, like their pets are their constant companion. They are with them a hundred percent of the time. They've been with them through everything. There's sometimes you know safety as well as companionship. Um, they the bond that our clients share with their pets is is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the few things in their life that doesn't judge. Yeah especially in our, our society, the way things are going. So do you, so do you like, um, when you partner with other services, like do other services recommend you, like, you know, when they're trying to help their clients or they're in a shelter or anything and say, Hey, you know, I understand your dog needs shots. This service is available so the dog can come with you. Yeah, totally. So there are a few different ways that organizations will work with us, um, sort of depending on who we're like formally partnered with at the time. Um, but they could, their caseworkers might have direct referral account capabilities where they're able to just send over some paperwork and get that person just immediately in our system and on our radar. Um, or it could just be as simple as, you know, other organizations who know about us and we'll send them our way or even call ahead of time, sort of as a courtesy call to be like, oh, I, you know, this person's coming to us, they need some help. Um, how can we facilitate that? Um, and you know, we work with a lot of vet clinics in the community who donate their, their time and their resources to us. And so with that, sometimes yeah. they'll have patients that they, um, that they, their owners can't pay for something that they need. Um, and then they'll, they'll refer them to us as well. And that might not be a direct referral, but we, 
you know, can, can try to help the best that we can. Yeah. So, um, how can vets find you and volunteer and what's the criteria for helping out in that sense? Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways for people to, to help in general, I will say. So I'll let Brianna take the, the medical part of it, but I know that also for non-medical individuals who want to help, um, normally uh, we have a supply bank that's open three days a week that our clients can come in and just pick up supplies like food and treats and toys and uh, leashes, all kinds of stuff. So we have non-medical volunteers that help staff that, um, as well as helping out with you know, nonprofit administrative tasks kind of behind closed doors, helping out with organizing. Um, we also need a slew of transport volunteers who are willing to drive pets around town to appointments um, if our clients don't have transportation. Um, or lately, we've been offering delivery services for um, our clients, for supplies, our clients that might be vulnerable and not able to leave the house at this time. Um, so there are lots of ways for folks without a medical education to get involved as well. Um, but for, for those with a medical background, um, Brianna, do you want to talk about sort of our criteria for that? Yeah. So <laughs> veterinarians, of course, always, mm-hmm. um, we're, um, we have need not only for veterinarians, um, on site to help with exams, um, either at a drop-in clinic or at our regular clinic days. But we also have a lot of veterinarians who can't necessarily get here on the days that we have clinics, um, or maybe the journey is just too much, or they have too much going on in their in their own personal life. Um, so veterinarians can also offer to like screen um, consults. So uh, we have clients who contact myself or Alethea, the medical team, with um, either refills or medical questions or, you know, things pertaining to an ongoing medical issue that we'll type up notes and we just need a veterinarian to to go through their history and make some recommendations or approve medications that we can fill through Potim. So doing remote consults is also very, very helpful. Um, And for non-veterinarian Um, but medical volunteers, so assistants or technicians. Uh, We also have a great need for that. We always need medical assistance in our clinics, um, but also for things like going through all of the medical donations that we get. Um, You know, we just get bags and bags and boxes of just random loose (laughs) uh, (laughs) medical equipment, you know, just things, Um, bandages or bottles of medication or shampoo or you know whatever um that all needs to be sorted uh and separated for you know appropriate um expiration dates appropriate medications appropriate um you know types of of things so um people who are trained in medicine to to help us go through that and then also um going through medical records helping us um differentiate uh you know certain certain medical conditions or, you know, medications that a pet is on so that we can put it into our system or entering vaccine information, people who are just familiar with reading medical records. Um, And so for those people um, contacting us um, at um, Mm -hmm. potteam.org, there's a link um, to volunteer or donate. Um, and that will take them exactly where they need to go. And once they get in touch with Nicole, who is the volunteer coordinator, um, we set something up. Um, 
we were doing um, volunteer yeah. orientations and right? <laughs> orientation downstairs and it's really good. And then we would separate and I would bring the medical personnel upstairs and go through the clinic with them and go through our protocols and such. Um, but obviously that's not happening right now. Yeah. Um, so the, the onboarding um, for medical volunteers right now would probably be case by case just whenever they were available. Yeah. I did do my first Zoom volunteer orientation a couple weeks ago. So that's, you know, been way of the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our life is a big Zoom call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, like, mean, so what kind of medica- like what kind of medications and things do you accept from the public? Yeah. Uh, pretty much anything and everything under the sun unless it's a controlled substance. Mm-hmm. Um, we accept medications um, and supplies up to one year expired, um, which is still very safe to administer and give out. And since we are not selling these medications, the FDA allows for us to dispense um, expired um, medications. Mm-hmm. So anything expired less than a year, um, as long as it's not a controlled substance. Okay. Yeah. And for other supplies, I mean, food, if your cat has decided that they don't like pate anymore, we will take it. If your dog (laughs) didn't like a certain bag of open dog food, bring it on over. We take both uh, regular pet food and prescription pet food, because if a pet um, is prescribed something by one of our doctors, then we try to keep that pet um, on that as as much as possible. Um, If, if not all entirely, um, so we we have our supply bank, so people can bring really any item that they would have for their own animal. Um, if someone has a, a favorite pet store that they visit often, they can chat that pet store up, see if they want to do a regular donation for us as well. Sometimes places, you know, they get return bags or um, something tears, whatever the case yeah. might be, things that are going to expire soon. Um, and then they'll just get in touch with us to have our volunteers pick up things, you know, every maybe once a month, we'll just do a pickup at a different pet store. So someone has their local pet store that they want to get in touch with us. That's great too. There are a few local pet stores who have been unbelievably supportive Mm -hmm. of our team over the years. I don't know if it's appropriate to shop them out, but um, (laughs) we know who they are and it really is invaluable. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything from, you know, treats to toys. I mean, anything that gets returned, um, they, they send our way. We've got, you know, we've got crates, we've got pet stairs, we've got leashes and harnesses and raincoats. And I mean, things like raincoats and, um, you know, blankets and, and bedding and things like that are, are really important, especially when it gets cold here. So mm-hmm. I got some harnesses to send your way. Great. <laughs> Cause Lucas doesn't like those either. And I've tried all of those too. <laughs> so I, I got some stuff coming your way. Um, so I know that a lot of things have been canceled recently as we all know, but, um, do you all have any events coming up either virtual or that you're hoping are going to happen? Um, yes and no. When it comes to sort of these our uh, operations, we traditionally have had drop-in clinics every few months, which are um, sort of the old style of PAW team where we have a lot of patients coming for help and several doctors working at just one big day, no appointments necessary. Um, and we haven't had those over the last few months. We're, we're hoping to start up some new version of them later in the summer when we can utilize our parking lot space. Um, so it's outdoors, people can be appropriately distanced, um, definitely smaller numbers than in the past, but we're, we're working on what we might be able to set up. Um, in terms of events for 
the general public. Um, nothing in person set up at this time. Um, I think we'll see kind of what the summer and fall is holding and maybe we can yeah. start shifting to online get togethers. We haven't really explored that yet. Um, <laughs> I've at least been trying to do our best to keep up on social media so that people can still feel engaged with what's going on here. Cause mm -hmm. you know, I realize that I'm lucky that every day I'm here, I get to see pets and their people and I have those interactions and get to hear those stories still. And I just um, sometimes forget to pass that along to the wider population, <laughs> but um, want people to know that we're still here and still working on things and have something, you know, fun and lighthearted to show up in their newsfeed as they're scrolling through. Yep. I love getting your newsletters. Um, do either of you have a favorite story about a pet that you've helped? There's so many. And it's like, it's almost, it's almost unfair because usually it's just the most recent one that pops to mind. Right. Little, you know, it's still floating around in there. Um, you know, I, I'll say we have, um, a gentleman who um, has been a client of Paw Team for a very long time. And um, when I think about people who are kind of comfortable in their situation and just need a little bit of extra help with their pet getting along, this is kind of who I'm thinking of. Um, and recently he has just so generously decided that um, he really enjoys canning um, it's pretty much his only hobby. It's just what he likes to do. Collecting, collecting cans. <laughs> and, um, you know, he brings enough in that it's to a point of excess. He takes what he needs and he's like, what am I going to do with it? You guys have helped me so much. I want to make sure that you can help other people too. So he talked with us about, um, you know, how he was able to do that. And we've set up um, a little fund in his dog's name um, as per his wish that he wants, you know, he wants any little bit of extra that he makes to go to help our other patients. So that's incredible. Yeah, it really is. He's just, yeah, he's a shining light as is his dog, <laughs> princess. Um, yeah, they're just, they're lovely. And I think that that story really highlights not only how Paw Team is able to help people in a very vulnerable population with some very simple things, food. Mm -hmm. um, she's, you know, now got um, arthritis, so we're, you know, helping keep her comfortable. But it also shines a light on how how meaningful these relationships are to most of our clients and how much um, giving back really does mean to them, you know, that they haven't had a lot of opportunity to do that. And, um, it's just, you know, they're a really, really great population of people. And I think it's a, you know, it's a great story. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So what are the, are there any like long-term goals or things that you're shooting for as an organization? <laughs> the stars we're shooting yeah. for the stars <laughs> I think so. um yeah i think long-term goals i mean we've seen a lot of growth over the last few years and i think we're continuing on that trajectory where um through partnering with more vet clinics more individual vets more um places who are able to offer us you know spay and neuter surgeries or surgery days for other procedures um more shelters where 
wanting to host a paw team day. As we continue to grow, we're really able to expand our place in the community where we're helping both our core population and making sure that um, they're all taken care of, but then expanding that care where we're able to as well for people who are in, you know, temporary crisis and just needing some assistance in, in a moment. Um, yeah, I think it's just continuing to grow and, and keeping pets happy and healthy and therefore their people happy and healthy as much as we can. I'd really like to see, um, you know, in the, in the near future, just, an expansion of the knowledge of our existence. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's always pretty shocking to me that we've been around as long as we have. And so many people are like, what's paw team? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know you existed. Yeah. And I think it's because our focus has been on our, you know, on our clients, yeah. our clients and our patients. And that's where we've devoted all of our time and our energy. We've kind of neglected um, the major outreach to mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the world at large. And so <laughs> we don't have any viral videos. <laughs> yeah. The only people who know about Paw Team are people who either belong to Paw Team or volunteer for Paw Team or have somehow come across us. You know, it's, it's a slow train. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we do, I feel like the work of Paw Team is so genuine mm-hmm. and so needed. And obviously that need is only growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'd really, I'd like to see um, the popularity of the team just um, yeah. grow um, so that everybody knows that we're here and what we do and um, yeah. and how, how they can help yeah. because yeah. everybody can help a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, I, I hadn't heard of you until I came across someone who needed your services and that's how I discovered you. Yeah, and, and even as we grow, it really does feel like a team. You know, our staff is small, and we have a lot of volunteers who are engaged in a variety of ways. You know, when we have maybe a small group that are here multiple days a week when we're open, you know, a few months ago, um, or just regulars who are doing transports all over town for us multiple times a week. Um, and then we have people that are just kind of here and there, you know, they pop in once, twice a year, work a volunteer shift or pop in because they had some donations that they wanted to drop by. Um, no matter what level of someone's engagement, it truly does feel like they're a part of a team for a larger mission. And I think that's really special. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I thank you all for taking the time to chat with me and I'm get the word out there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you you for this opportunity. This is fun. It really, you know, we've, what we've learned over the years is how to make a little go a long way. (laughs) And, uh, for, you know, for being as old as we are, uh, you know, it's, we do operate on, on a very, on a very small, <laughs> small penance. Mm-hmm. So um, we're very adept at, at making every little bit count. So thank you so much for, for having us on. Oh, absolutely. And I will post with the podcast um, the information so that people can find out how to donate and volunteer. And if somebody needs your services, that they will know where to go. So, um, you know, I'll be sure and share that with everybody. Yeah, we have Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Yeah. That- follow us yes, on too. Yes, check us out. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you so much. 
That was Nicole Perkins and Brianna Schrode of Paw Team. Check out the links to their website and social media accounts for more information. On the next episode, I will be speaking with Gretchen Grossaint of Sugars, Cookies, and Cakes. In the meantime, give your furry family members a big cuddle. <laughs>